Wednesday, May 16th, 2012, episode number one of the Football Nation Today podcast with Alex Reamer on footballnation.com. Welcome in to episode number one of the Football Nation Today podcast with Alex Reamer, available exclusively on footballnation.com. I loathe introductions. However, I would feel remiss if I did not begin our first ever episode briefly introducing myself to you, the listener, and then I promise we'll talk some football. Uh, My name is Alex Reamer. I am a 19-year-old rising sophomore at Boston University. I am a broadcast journalism major at BU. Um, I am also the host of the critically acclaimed Red Sox podcast, Without a Curse. I've published over 500 episodes of Without a Curse, and I've been hosting that podcast since I was a squeaky voice 12-year-old, so it's been a while. Um, I've been profiled in the Boston Globe and been a guest on both the Today Show and the Tonight Show for my work on Without a Curse. Uh, Without a Curse has also been profiled in entities such as Time for Kids, Business Weekly, and Boston Globe Magazine. Without a Curse is published bi-weekly throughout the baseball season, once per week throughout the baseball offseason. And what I aim to provide the listener with each edition of Without a Curse is 30 to 45 minutes of quality, but most importantly, entertaining content. It is understood that in this age of media oversaturation, that is known as the 21st century, um, we are not going to reinvent the wheel with this podcast or, frankly, any podcast. What I aim to do for my listeners on Without a Curse, what I will aim to do for you here with Football Nation today on footballnation.com is provide you with entertaining shows that entertain you on your drive to and from work, entertain you while you're at your, while you're at your desk at home, while you're working out, doing whatever you do. While I listen to a podcast, I aim to entertain you, the listener. Hopefully, along the way, bring up some arguments, maybe some points, maybe some information you have not heard prior, that you have not thought of prior. I think of a podcast as radio on demand. What's really cool about podcasts is the host and listener interaction. And that's what I hope to do here at Football Nation today. If you have an idea about the show... If you have a topic you would like me to discuss, if you have a point you want to uh, have me hear, feel free to contact me. We can discuss that point on the show. Because again, a podcast is really radio on demand. And I think the best thing about a podcast is the host-to-listener interaction. And that's actually what we're aiming to do right off the top here at Football Nation today. This is a working title. We are aiming to come up with something a bit catchier, a bit glitzier, if you will. If you have any ideas, let me know. My email address is areamer at bu.edu. You can also, of course, hit me up on Twitter. At AlexReamer1 is my Twitter handle. I would love to hear, and we at Football Nation would love to hear some of your ideas for a title with a bit more glamour than the generic Football Nation today, so that's how we're going to kick off the listener interaction, come up with a catchier title, drop me a line, and maybe if you're lucky, your title will be the new name of the show, and I know that'd be a distinct honor for all of you. And uh, also along those lines, if you have any idea for show music, bumper music, sound, 
you would like for me to use. Send me an email, drop me a line on Twitter, and maybe we'll incorporate that into the show as well. We're on a working title here. We're aiming to really get this thing up and running as the summer progresses, and certainly when NFL training camps begin towards the tail end of July. So we have some time here to really perfect this thing, make this into the best football podcast out there. And you folks, listeners, are loyal um, are loyal consumers here at Football Nation, and hopefully you can also loyally consume this podcast and, in turn, improve this podcast with each passing episode. So that is my first assignment for you folks, listener. Catchier, glitzier show name than Football Nation today, and also, if you have any cool bumper music, any cool theme music than the stuff we're using now, as always, feel free to drop me a line, and we'll incorporate all of those ideas and more into the show a podcast is radio on demand, so we're going to help with, we're going to work with you to uh, help make the show the very best that it can be and have it cater to all of your needs as a football consuming audience. So, what are we talking about today in the inaugural episode of Football Nation Today with yours truly, Alex Reamer? Uh, this show has a four down format first down, second down, third down, fourth down. To reiterate, if you have any bumper music you'd like to go along with these segments, feel free to drop me an email, send me a line on Twitter. Um, first down, the biggest on-field story in the NFL of the week. And to me, since this is our first episode, I think it'd be wise to look back at this past offseason, look back at some of the major free agent signings, and talk about where a lot of the major free agent money has been spent. And I think that's a commentary on the changing direction of the league. Then in second down, the biggest story in the NFL undoubtedly is the Junior Seau tragedy of a couple weeks ago and the subsequent discussions that have spurred off of that regarding player safety and other things of that ilk. We'll talk about that in second down. Then in third down, it's our big up or slow down. I have three things, three statements to make regarding the uh, recent happenings in the NFL, and I'll dive further into those. And then in fourth down, I love to rant. You'll learn that awfully quickly. The Louisiana State Legislature has voted 28-1 to 1 that the bounty gate penalties were too harsh. What yahoos? We'll lay into them as well towards the tail end of the show. It's the Football Nation Today podcast with Alex Reamer. We'll be right back. Here we go, back at Football Nation Today, episode one of the Football Nation Today podcast. Let's kick it off with first down. The NFL has transitioned over the past number of years from a balanced league to a passing league. That's been covered pretty much everywhere throughout the past couple years, especially this past season, it seems like. And you, when you dive deeper into this past offseason and to where the money's been spent, uh, that could not be more apparent, in my opinion. First of all, let's look at some of the numbers from last season. Nine of the top ten quarterbacks in passing made the postseason last year. The only quarterback in the league who was in the top ten in passing last season who missed out on the postseason was Tony Romo of the Dallas Cowboys. So if you have an elite quarterback, if you have an elite passing offense, you are pretty much guaranteed to make the playoffs in today's NFL. Conversely, you look at the running back position. Five of the top ten running backs in the NFL last year made the postseason, so half of the top running backs in the NFL missed out on the playoffs in 2011. If you have an elite running back, 
You're not guaranteed to make the playoffs. You're not even guaranteed to be respectable. Maurice Jones-Drew of the Jaguars was the number one rusher in the league last year. Steven Jackson of St. Louis was a top rusher in the NFL last year as well. So if you have a top 10 quarterback, you are guaranteed to make the postseason. 9 of 10 did in 2011. If you have a top 10 running back, you're not guaranteed to make the postseason. Not even close. Only half. Five of the top 10 running backs in the league last year made the playoffs, and some of those guys, Maurice Jones-Drew, Steven Jackson, to name a couple of them, were on playing out embarrassingly bad football teams and bad, off and bad offenses. So it is a passing-oriented league. That is indisputable. That is undeniable. Uh, you put into effect all the rules changes that have really made this a pass-oriented league, all the great talent we have at quarterback and receiver, and you see the NFL in 2012 and beyond is a pass-oriented league. And you are now seeing the money um, reflect that, the money spent on free agency this season. You look at the contracts that were handed to wide receivers throughout free agency. Absolutely gross. Uh, gross money. Vincent Jackson of Tampa Bay. Five years, $55 million overall. Pierre Garçon of Washington. Five years, $42.5 million overall. That was a shocker when that came out towards the tail end of March, um, but just shows you how vital a commodity a competent wide receiver is when Pierre Garçon is getting five-year deals north of $40 million. Uh, Deshaun Jackson was re-signed from Philadelphia five years, $51 million. Deshaun Jackson is a very talented football player, can certainly stretch the field, but... He has attitude problems, he's not a sure bet, but he's talented enough, and talented receivers are a valuable enough commodity in today's NFL that if you have those guys under your control, you have to lock them up, and lock them up at big money for the long term. Lawrence Robinson had a breakout year in Dallas last season, signs on with Jacksonville, a five-year deal worth $32.5 million. Robert Meacham signed a four-year $25.5 million deal with San Diego this offseason. Marquise Colston, compared to the other contracts, was signed for reasonable dollars, but still, Marquise Colston garnered a five-year deal. And with this being a pass-oriented league, with, offense pass, with offenses passing the football way more than they run the football, um, the, the, def the defensive construction has changed as well. It's no longer about balance. It's no longer about having a core of good defenders, three down players. It's not really about that. Hell, it's not even really about having a great defense. You look at some of the past Super Bowl winners, past Super Bowl contenders, not all those teams had great defenses. You look back at 2009, that Super Bowl, you had Colts, Saints, right? Uh, both of those teams... Indianapolis Colts, New Orleans Saints, not great defenses. The Colts defense played better in the postseason than they did in the regular season, but not great defenses. The Colts defense was built upon Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis up front, the pass rush, and the Saints defense statistically was one of the worst defenses in the league, and that was built on the pass rush from the linebackers and the defensive ends. Look at the Super Bowl in 2010 took place in 2011 between the Steelers and Packers. Statistically speaking, the Pittsburgh defense was pretty good, but what's the Pittsburgh defense weakness? Well, the Pittsburgh defense weakness is they don't have necessarily a lot of core guys, not a lot of great guys in the secondary, not a lot of great cover guys, which might be a rarity in today's NFL, but what the Steelers do have to fit that stereotype, to fit that prototype, is guys like James Harrison up front, 
uh, the linebackers they have over there. Troy Palomalu at safety, a guy who, you know, just makes great plays, running towards the quarterback, generating a pass rush. Uh, the Packers' defense, statistically, was nothing special at all in 2010, but what did they have? They had a lot of playmakers, a guy like Charles Woodson who could jump around at corner, A.J. Hawk at linebacker, the defensive line, guys who could rush the passer there. That's what the Packers' defense had. This past Super Bowl, 2011, perfectly embodies that. The Patriots' defense, statistically, one of the worst in the league. The Giants' defense... Okay, statistically, but their real strength was Usiu Minora, Justin Tuck, guys in the defensive line who could get to the quarterback. In today's NFL, you don't need to have a great defense. Hell, as the Patriots showed us last year, you don't even really need to have a good defense statistically. What's most important in today's NFL is having a defense in which you have two, maybe three playmakers who can get to the quarterback at the defensive end uh, or at the outside linebacker position who can jump a pass route as well as a cornerback or a safety. That's the most important thing. It's no longer about having a great defense. It's no longer even about having necessarily a statistically good defense. It's about having a defense that can create the occasional turnover, put the ball back in your elite quarterback's hands so they can continue on to fly down the field. And the money thrown around this offseason to defensive players embodies that. Mario Williams signed to the six-year, $100 million deal, $50 million of it guaranteed from Buffalo one year after, or a couple years after, the mega Julius Peppers contract with Chicago. Uh, Cameron Wembley. Outside linebacker given big money, five years, $35 million overall from Tennessee. Ahmad Brooks is an outside linebacker, signed with San Francisco. Good player, not great, but he was signed to a six-year deal worth $44.5 million. The league is changing. It's more of a pass-oriented league, and you're seeing that with the way the money is thrown around. It's thrown to wide receivers on offense, and, and most certainly quarterbacks. That goes without saying. And on defense, it's thrown to... Not necessarily middle linebackers, not even necessarily great safeties anymore, certainly not great defensive tackles. It's thrown at skill position guys, players who can rush the passer from the outside linebacker and a defensive end because that's the key to building a championship caliber defense in today's NFL. Isn't necessarily about building a defense with three down players. Isn't even necessarily about building a good defense statistically. It's about building a defense that can force the turnover. It's about building a defense with a couple of playmakers littered throughout it. And that's where you're seeing the money in today's NFL to specialized players on defensive end. Let's go to our second down. This is where we discuss the big NFL story of the week off the field and... The big NFL story of this week off the field and the big NFL story of the past couple weeks off the field is the Junior Seau tragedy. Now, on October 18th of 2010, Junior Seau drove his Cadillac Escalade off of a cliff. That morning, of course, Seau had been arraigned on domestic assault charges. A couple weeks ago on May 2nd, 2012, Seau was found dead at his home in Oceanside, California with a gunshot wound in his chest. Authorities quickly determined the cause of the death to be suicide. Seau, a 10-time All-Pro and 12-time Pro Bowl selection, played 20 vicious seasons in the NFL. 13 of those seasons were with the San Diego Chargers, and eight members of the 1994 AFC Championship Chargers are now deceased. That statistic is not meant to place blame on a specific organization, but rather to highlight a league-wide epidemic. Some ex-football players are dying young, and frankly, most would be better off dying than living with incurable ailments and mounting medical bills. 
An NFL player's off-field lifestyle is often as reckless as his on-field playing style. It's the culture of the league, a culture that we now know has severe ramifications. It's a culture that not only the league, but also the players remain blind to, and that's the main issue I want to hit on here. The national spotlight is now on concussion prevention, both in the NFL and NHL, and rightfully so. But Sayo's deep personal demons stemmed from more than his elongated history with concussions. They were produced by a likely audacious way of life, which is necessary if one is to play in the NFL as a middle linebacker for two decades as Seau did. The elephant in the room regards to the Seau tragedy that few in the national media want to address and still don't address was his likely steroid abuse. This incoming autopsy will give the public more information on this, but performance-enhancing drug use is rampant in the NFL. Seau more resembled an inflated cartoon character than a human being throughout his playing days, and again, played middle linebacker for two decades. He was expected to maintain his speed and strength well into his 30s, and was expected to stay on the field regularly too. With the overwhelming majority of Seau's peers indulging themselves in steroid use, Seau had to keep pace. Training for an NFL season without the aid of a performance enhancer is akin to career suicide. The NFL lifestyle, folks, is a vicious cycle uh, consisting of steroid abuse, pain medication, sleep deprivation, and to put it bluntly, fiscally uneducated kids in their 20s with a lot of money and not a lot of guidance. It's a recipe for a fast-paced lifestyle and an even faster demise. And there are some intrinsic aspects to the NFL lifestyle that even the most ardent enforcement of rules and regulations will never be able to change. But the first step to improvement is recognition of the problem. And that is something that has clearly not occurred yet. I go back to this a couple weeks ago. On the same day Seau committed suicide, the NFL levied down suspensions on the players involved in Bountygate. The punishments were harsh. And a one-year suspension was imposed upon star linebacker Jonathan Vilma, a supposed leader of the NFLPA. Yeah, that's right. Vilma spent his days fighting for increased awareness and player safety and his nights devising schemes to concuss the opposing team's quarterback so he could collect that week's bounty pay. And veteran safety Darren Sharper tweeted a lot two weeks ago when Seau passed away, quote, sad day in the NFL. From two harsh of player suspensions to Junior Seau passing away. I'm really feeling terrible. It apparently has failed to occur to Mr. Sharper that an institutional disregard for player health that an institutional disregard for player health and Seau's suicide are part and parcel. The first step to correcting a problem is recognizing that there is one. In the case of the NFL, recognition, recognition remains a long ways away. Not just for the owners, but for the players as well. If the players don't even have respect for themselves, it's hard to expect anybody else to. And that's my main point in regards to player safety, and it ties into the Junior Seau tragedy as well. Members of the NFLPA talk continually about how the league has not done all it could, could in terms of um, improving player safety and improving quality of life for players post-career. And they have valid points on a lot of those fronts, no question about it. But it's quite hypocritical when a guy like Jonathan Vilma, a supposed leader of the NFLPA, is fighting for player safety by day and then devising schemes to take out the opposing team's quarterback at night. So he could collect that week's bounty pay. It's a little hypocritical. If not a lot hypocritical. 
don't you think? And the same thing happens in the NHL. You know, early on in this postseason in the NHL, they had a lot of problems with vicious, vicious hits. Rafi Torres of the Phoenix Coyotes, the greatest defender, the most egregious offender of that, um, levied with a very harsh suspension, as he should have been, for his hit in the first round of the playoffs. And when you're in the NHL situation, when you're in the NFL situation, you can enforce rules um, more harshly than ever, which is what both leagues are doing, especially the NFL. But at one point, at some point, the players have to take responsibility too for some of this. And the players have to start having respect for themselves. Because that's ultimately where the biggest change is going to be made. Once NFL safeties realize that it's not cool to fly into a pile helmet first, until they realize that, you're still going to have a lot of these headshots. You're still going to be dealing with a lot of these issues in regards to concussions and player safety. Until an NFL safety realizes that, you know what, just tackling someone at the waist is just as effective as torpedoing my helmet into his helmet. So, until they realize that, the NFL is going to continue to deal with these problems to an extent. And the National Football League is dealing with this lawsuit, over 1,600 former players suing the NFL, saying the NFL is liable for what's happened to them post their career because they didn't properly inform the players of the physical risks and partaking in the NFL. And the NFL could very well lose that law case. There is no doubt in my mind. And a part of me kind of wants them to pay big uh, here and wants them to be liable because I think they are to an extent. Um, where this is going to lead most likely is the NFL offering waivers to future players and, you know, detailing the repercussions of concussions, the repercussions of play in the league, troubling statistics, etc. And if you go back in time, you know, even if the NFL offered these waivers to, some of, to these 1,600 players who are currently suing the league for liability, how many of those 1,600 players do you think would still sign those waivers? Maybe not all of them. But certainly a significant percentage of them, don't you think? They would say, oh, well, that might happen to the guy next to me, but it won't happen to me. No. It's about altering the culture of the league. And most importantly, having the players hold more respect for each other. The NFL can stringently enforce these rules, which they have been doing and will continue to do. They can continually make rule changes that favor the offense, hurt the defense. They can continually try to create less contact on defense. They can try to do a lot of these things, and they will continue to try to do a lot of these things. And they can offer waivers to players before the players sign a contract. They can do all of that. But the crux of this issue is the fact that the players still do not have a lot of respect for themselves. And until they do... A lot of this, unfortunately, is not going to significantly change. Moving on, Football Nation Today podcast episode number one. Let's head to our third down segment. This is where I make a couple of statements, and I'll respond with either a big up or a slow down. Some things that have been in the news over the past couple weeks. This is our third down segment, hot takes, as we refer to them. Third down, big up or slow down. Statement number one. Let's see if I agree. Wes Welker is a fool for accepting the Patriots' $9.4 million tender for 2012. 
That's an easy one for me. Big up. Wes Welker may have done the admire, uh, admiral, admirable thing to do, accepting the tender. And $9.4 million is still a good chunk of change. But it's a stupid business thing for him to do because he now has no more leverage. The way you get your long-term money out of the New England Patriots is holding out deep into camp. That's what happened to Deion Branch. He got his money from Seattle, not New England, but he had to be traded. He still got his money. Logan Mankins, just a couple of years ago, held out deep into camp, got his money. Vince Wilfork didn't play nice either. He got his money too. The Patriots have shown they will take you to the absolute brink um, in regards to these contract negotiations, and it's up to you as the player to fight back just as hard. And when you do fight back just as hard, you get paid. Branch got paid, Mankins got paid, Vince Wolfork got paid. Wes Welker, by accepting this $9.4 million tender for 2012, has surrendered a lot of his leverage. I still think the Patriots should sign him to a long-term deal. But now they don't have to. Or at least they can put it off for another year. Because Welker has accepted the tender and surrendered his leverage. It's the admirable thing to do. It's the nice thing to do. It's the respectable thing to do from a teammate perspective. But from a business perspective, it's the stupid thing to do. And thus, I say yes, big up. Wes Welker is a fool for accepting the Patriots' $9.4 million tender in May before any mandatory training camps have begun. Statement number two here in third down. Big up or slow down. Now that the Vikings have renewed their stadium deal in Minnesota, there will not be a team in L.A. In the next five years, I say slow down. Now, I feel like we've been saying this for decades, ever since the Rams left, of course, and went to Oakland, talking about how there'll be a team in L.A., and then, of course, there never is or still isn't. But I say slow down just based on the simple principle that it makes too much sense not to happen. L.A. is one of the major media markets in this country. The NFL is the uh, country's most popular sport. Yes, the NFL is doing fine financially without a team in Los Angeles, obviously, but this is a capitalistic society, and the NFL owners embody capitalism more than anything else, and in a capitalistic society with a corporation like the NFL, you never just want to keep doing as good as you're doing. No, you want to do better economically, better financially than what you're doing, and the way for the NFL to do that is to get out of Jacksonville, out of a Mickey Mouse market like that, and get to a big-time market like Los Angeles. That's one of the few ways remaining, from my perspective, that the NFL can dramatically increase their revenue. And that's why, within the next five years, even though the Vikings are remaining in Minnesota, that's why you will see a team go to Los Angeles. Mark my words. And that's also going to be easier to run by the Players Association than implementing an extra regular season game. Final statement, big up or slow down, Darrell Rivas is going to regret calling Bill Belichick ignorant and a jerk, which he did in an ESPN interview a couple of months ago. I say slow down here as well, a big slow down. I love this kind of trash talk. Who doesn't love this kind of trash talk? Darrell Rivas is hands down the best cornerback in the game. Um... I would even argue with this being a pass-oriented league. Oh, see how it all ties together here on the Football Nation Today podcast. I would say that 
as a cornerback in a pass-oriented NFL, Darrell Rivas is arguably the most valuable defensive player in the game today. I love this kind of trash talk. I love the uh, perpetuation of the Jets and Patriot rivalry. So slow down. Darrell Rivas is not going to regret calling Bill Belichick ignorant and a jerk. He has the talent to back up his mouth. He showed that in the past, and he's going to show it again this upcoming season. Wrapping up here, episode one of the Football Nation Today podcast, heading into our fourth down, getting ready to wrap this up. Should we punt or should we go for it? And let's go for it and let's wrap up the show with the Reamer rant. And the Reamer rant this week has to do with the Louisiana State Legislature, which voted this week 28-1 to 1 that the bounty gate penalties imposed by Roger Goodell in the NFL are too harsh. And thus, the Louisiana State Legislature, by a 28-to-1 vote, is demanding that the NFL revisit the penalties they handed out as a result of Bountygate. And I say, what? Yahoos. Absolute yahooism there in the Louisiana State Legislature. I mean, is this what the Louisiana State Legislature is wasting time voting on? Really? Bountygate? And how can you... How can you look at the Junior Seau tragedy a couple of weeks ago? How can you look at the 1,600-plus players suing the NFL for liability with their you know, post, uh, post-career health issues? I mean, how can you, with a straight face, how can you morally say that our defensive players were, in, were engaging in a bounty system to take out the opposing team's quarterback, hit him in the head, break his bones, you know, take guys out of the game, not just hurt them, injure them? Take them out. How can you say that? How can you say in good conscience that the NFL did not levy, uh, that the NFL levied too strict a penalty against the Saints? I mean, really, how can you with a straight face say that? That is Yahooism at its worst. Uh, no question about it. The easy in a state legislature. Pfft, Big losers of the week, you know, it's almost like the Penn State people, quite frankly, who refuse to acknowledge that maybe, just maybe, Joe Paterno could have done more when he originally heard about the Jerry Sandusky incident in the early 2000s. Um, Yahooism's a dangerous thing. It's a really dangerous and terrible thing. It can blind your eyes to the truth. And the Louisiana State Legislature has shown us this week with this 28-1 to vote that they have most certainly been blinded to the truth. Thank you again for listening to the uh, Football Nation Today podcast with yours truly, Alex Reamer. As I mentioned at the top of the program, this title is a work in progress. Uh, the show format, I li- we like the format. Curious to hear your thoughts about the format. If you have any great intro music, any great bumper music, we would love to hear it here on the Football Nation Today podcast. My email address is areamer at bu.edu. Also, as always, feel free to follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at alexreamer1. If you have ideas about a show title, something with a bit more glitz and glam, as they say these days, um, but that's the first time you've heard the phrase glitz and glam uttered on an NFL podcast, right? Um, each episode will contain a first like that, I'm guaranteeing you. Hopefully you keep listening for it. And if you have any great ideas about uh, music, bumper music, maybe some packaged uh, sound for the first down, second down, third down, fourth down segments, as always, feel free to send that. Uh, our way. We will try our best to incorporate your ideas into the show because that is what a podcast is. It is on-demand radio. So doesn't it make so doesn't it make sense if the content uh, 
satisfies you. So make sure it satisfies you. Let us know what you think of this first episode. And uh, always, show title ideas, bumper music ideas, music ideas. Send me MP3 files. I'll love to take them. I'll devour them. And next time, the show will get better and better. We hope to keep improving with each episode. We thank you for listening to the inaugural edition of the Football Nation Today podcast. We will be back uh, with a better and improved product, continuing to gear up, Get ready for the talent of the July into training camp when this thing is really going to get into high motion. But until then, my name is Alex Reamer saying so long. We're going to prop back up again throughout the summer months and to reiterate, really get into full motion come July as we head into training camp. So long. Again, my name is Alex Reamer. Thank you so much for listening to the Football Nation Today podcast. Have a great day and a great rest of your week.